I remember when I was, I, I looked at all these youth going for it, and I thought, when I was a young guy getting raised up in a certain church, which I won't make mention of, it wasn't like that. <laughs> I had to stay at my collar and tie all day. I wasn't allowed to play with my friends because it was Sunday. I grow, grew up loathing church. I grew up thinking church was about the most miserable, dismal place on the planet. And when I got to the age of 16, I made a decision. I didn't ever want to go back. And I took, I left home, I left everything, I took off, and I said, just don't try to get me back inside of one of them, you know. I mean, after all, I had enough trouble of my own without getting more when I walked in the door. And, um, but you know, one day, in all of my grottiness, I went to a coffee lounge in the middle of Hamilton. And there was a bunch of young people talking with a bunch of bikies. And there was something about them that riveted me. There was a quality of life. There was something. They were alive. They had something I did not have. And it just electrified me. And I just couldn't resist it. I had to go back and ask them what it was. And I'll tell you what. When I met Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord, my whole life was transformed. It just everything changed from then. And I found that what I had been subjected to for years upon years upon years wasn't really what Jesus had in mind for his church. But when you walk into a place like this and you feel the worship and the celebration and Jesus being exalted and people coming alive and habits being broken and people being set free, I tell you what, that rings a lot like Jesus. That rings a lot like Jesus. Because everywhere he went, something good happened. You know, it really was. It was as predictable as, wasn't it? It's great being with you this weekend. I've loved every minute of it. Just, just, you, you inspire me, okay? You really inspire me. And uh, I just asked um, Steve, and I, I think I asked Mike this morning as well, um, I want a copy of those announcements. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to play them to my whole team when I get home. I say, guys, sit down. You've got to watch this. And I'm going to play those about three times, particularly the little bit about Pastor Mike in a space suit. Yeah, I, I, Way out there. <laughs> you see, because this is not Sydney and it's not Melbourne and it's not Auckland. It's Hastings. And I tell you what, out of this place, fires will, show, will go. I, I said that this morning, and I, I believe it. I see it. Every time I look at you, I see the fires that are going to be lit around the world because the people are willing to go to the next level. I'm excited about being here, and I thank you for the privilege. And Mike and Joy, thank you so much for the privilege of coming this weekend. And, you know, I felt a connectedness. Uh, by the way, I, if you're waiting for me to start, I really already have. This is kind of, um, you know, I'm just, we're just having fun, aren't we? Um, but I felt such a connectedness. And do you know what happened? I, I was, this morning's service, I thought to myself, oh, there's one chorus I really wanted to sing because it's, it's a theme song. It's the theme of our ministry. Um, every Leaders of Destiny course, it is sung every morning. 
Uh, uh, every meeting we have, it's sung. Every time I get the board together, it's sung. Uh, and I will not allow anybody to do anything on the property unless it's sung. Uh, and and it's, it, it has just become our thing. Uh, and so I actually was on the verge of going to the phone tonight, uh, this afternoon, and say, Mike, there's no possibility of us singing. And then I thought, no, no, I can't do that. They've already organized a song, so it's not fair. But guess what? You sung it. Ooh, how great is our God? That's our theme song. Because I tell you what, no matter, I've been serving him for 40 years now. And every day I get up, I see just something bigger and greater and more wonderful about the God that we serve. I mean, he's awesome, isn't he? I mean, I mean, someone said, gee, it must take a lot of faith to believe. No, 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 no. To me, it would take much more faith to disbelieve because of God's track record. I mean, I, I, I could fill a book with the numbers of times when I should have been written off the planet and yet God not only keeps you alive but empowers you to different heights. My son was born um, uh, with a... Eye condition, and they, uh, the doctor said, first of all, they said he was blind, and then they said, well, he, they corrected themselves after we'd pray and said, we must have been mistaken. He, he's only 50% blind, but he will certainly go blind by the time he's a toddler. You have to enroll him in the home high school for the blind because he will be blind. And uh, so then we got a friend, and we got round, and we prayed for him. And today he drives a car. And I can almost guarantee you, he's not blind. Okay. And so, you know, and as you know, the doctors wrote me off the planet seven years ago and sent me home to die in a little chair. But I tell you what, I've enjoyed the best seven years of my life since then. Why? Because he is a great God. He's an awesome God. And he's not bound by all of these things. He's an amazing God. And I could stand here for the next hour and just tell you how amazing he is. I really feel God's laid a burden on my heart tonight. And, I, and, I, and I'm easing my way towards launching into it because I know the nature of it. But I want to tell you something. Tonight, God wants to take us from bearing fruit to bearing much fruit. I'm not saying you're not bearing fruit. But you know what? I, I said to Pastor Mike, I said, as soon as I uh, felt God burdening me to come here and, so, and, and the last few days before arriving, I just saw, and I said it this morning in uh, the morning service, I meant it, but a lot of people weren't not, were not here this morning. I want to say to you, I saw each individual just going up to the next level. Uh, the 2 out of 10 became a 4 out of 10. The 5 out of 10 became a 7 out of 10. And I want to say again to you tonight, there is far more inside of you for the kingdom of God than the devil would like you to believe. And so we're going to talk tonight. Glad you made it, mate. I'm not going to embarrassing people, but boy, we met this afternoon in the gym. And... Um, yeah, he came along like that's fantastic. Okay, let's pray together, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to each of us as individuals. Because you can hear my words upon your ears, but you need to hear His word in your heart. You need to hear the person of the Holy Spirit speaking to you individually. Can you say amen? amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, with all of our hearts. Oh, we do, Father. We are so grateful. We are overwhelmed by who you really are. 
And Lord, tonight we thank you for the wonderful Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, because as a person, you're so real. And tonight, Lord, we know that you can just speak to people. Every genuinely open, hungry heart in this place shall hear your voice ringing clearly within them. And I thank you for that now, tonight, Father. And I love you for it, Father. We give you alone the honor in Jesus' wonderful name. You know, before I get into preaching tonight, and I just want to say this, um, you're spoiled for anything other than the kingdom. God isn't going to let you do anything else. Okay, so it's a matter of you settling that issue. You, you're going to have all sorts of opportunities and suggestions by people about the things that you could do. But they're all rubbish. God is calling you. and you can, Come here. God is calling you to separate your heart and your life with a kingdom focus. There, there's, there's a mantle that God is going to reveal to you in, in the days that lie ahead. And I'm not speaking of that right now. All I'm saying is that you better train well, prepare well, get to get well. There are very, 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 very hard decisions you have to make from time to time because the crowd will do this. Even the good gospel singing Christian crowd will do that and do that. But there'll be a tug, there'll be a nudge, there'll be something inside of you. You see, you're not called to walk as everyone else walks. Okay, you pay the price and God will visit you and God will put his hand on you and God will give you a mantle to touch the lives of a lot of people. But you have to pay that price. And it's not a difficult thing. I tell you what, it's an awesome thing. But you have to decide it in here. You decide it in here. Okay? Father, I lay my hands on this young man right now, Father. My God, from this very moment, from this very moment, Lord, there will be a consciousness of the mantle of God, the call of God, the tug of God that will never leave him alone. Father, put within him a passion, put within him, O oh God, a thirst and a hunger and a determination, a discipline of life, Father, that he shall become, Lord, a seasoned warrior at a very young age age. Lord, that his knowledge of the Word will empower him. Lord, his knowledge of the Holy Ghost will empower him. Father, his fearlessness of spirit and his discipline of heart will equip him and equip others around him. Father, I lay my hand upon him tonight that and separate him. Father, that you will lock him in, cocoon him into the destiny you have for him. In Jesus' name, walk with humility, walk with humility, and God will do the rest. Amen. Amen. Uses an, a strange scripture. Oh, by the way, before we start, you've been sitting for a while, you've been listening, and now you've got to sit there and listen some more for a little while at least. So why don't you just turn to it? Why not? I, I, I'm going to have fun. He, I, I mean, if you can't. Oh, wait on. I did this yesterday. Well, most of you weren't there yesterday. 
You should have been there yesterday, but you weren't there yesterday. By the way, I've got incredibly good news for all of you that were not there yesterday. It's available on CD and DVD, and you can get it when you walk out the door. Isn't that cool? Okay, the whole thing. Okay, I suggest that you do that. Um, now, those of you that were there yesterday, of course, know exactly what I'm about to do, but you won't spoil the fun, will you? All right. Now, I want to see how – we, do we have an obedient group of people here tonight? That's, that's a very underwhelming response. Do we, do, we, do we have an obedient people here tonight? All right. Well, then, you now, you don't, don't go making a whole lot of noise and drowning out me. Uh, um, I just want you to follow the instructions. I want you to stand to your feet, one instruction at a time. I want you to stick your hands as high as you can above your head. I want you to shake them all vigorously. And whilst you are still shaking them as vigorously as you are, turn to the one that's next to you and look them in the eyeball. And this is what you say to them. You look absolutely ridiculous. Don't you love church? In the last 18 months, Margaret and I have been challenged to go from being itinerants supported by a part-time PA to building a prophetic team to transform nations. We already have four on the full-time salary now. We're about to take a fifth one on when I go back. We're building volunteers. We're making connections in different nations. I have never been faced with so many major steps and major challenges in my entire life. And I turned 60 in a couple of weeks. And I said to the Lord, is this really, is this the way it's supposed to be? I thought you're supposed to wind down a fraction when you get to 60. No, no, it, it just speeds up. And do you know why? By the way, wasn't that a good thing to say for all of you that are already 60? Yeah, okay. Now, the fact of the matter is that it's ongoing, continuous. Every plateau that you reach in God, I can guarantee you something, there's another one to reach. Why? Because it is never enough. Everybody say never enough. It's never enough. You see, we've got a whole world out there. It's never enough. So tonight I want to talk about you going to the next level of fruitfulness. Now, I am going from bearing fruit to bearing much fruit. Now, the scripture that I want to start with is a strange one to seize upon for such a subject as that. Judges chapter 6 talks about the life of Gideon. I seem to be talking about him a lot the last two or three days, but I don't understand. Gideon and Joshua seem to be creeping into everything I say. But Gideon is a man. Now, you listen to me now. Gideon, the Bible says that Gideon was in the wine press, doing his thing, diligently at work, but hiding it behind the barn so nobody would see him at night. And I want you to know something about Gideon in Judges 6, and that is this, 
that Gideon is a diligent man. So first of all, let us establish that. Gideon is a diligent man. He's hard at work. He's not a sloth. He's not sitting down doing nothing. He is a diligent man, but he's an intimidated man. He's diligent, but intimidated. And so the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, and they have this famous uh, uh, contest of words, which we all have quoted many times. The angel of the Lord comes to him and says, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, you've got to be joking, I'm a worm. And they have this kind of debate the whole time. God saying, you're going to deliver Israel. You're going to do this. And, and, and Gideon's mouthing off and saying, don't you understand just how uh, insignificant I really am and everybody around me really is. And they have this conversation going backwards and forwards the whole time. And, and, and it's just on all the time. And finally, God wins the argument. How does God win the argument? God wins the argument because God sees Gideon, as I said this morning, not through the eyes of what the facts told him, but through the eyes of divine potential. God knew who he could make Gideon to be. Friends, I want to hammer this home. Repeating a little of what I said this morning, but I want to hammer it home. When God looks at you tonight, God does not see you. In the, through the eyes of what life has made you. He does not see you through the eyes of your upbringing or your past or your failures or your disappointments. He sees you through the eyes of divine potential because he knows who he can make you to be. And that's why he will whisper things in your heart that initially when you receive them, you think, that can't be me. Am I having illusions of grandeur? That's ridiculous. How could I ever do something like that? Most friends, God doesn't see you through human limitations. He wants to supernaturally empower you to become. But Gideon was facing a choice. And here I want to take you through the choice that was facing Gideon. And I felt God asked me to write some very specific stuff down. So that's why I'm coming up here this morning. I just roamed all over the place. But I want you to realize that Gideon was facing a pivot moment and a choice. And was he going to accept that which all of life had told him he was? Or was he going to believe the simplicity of the word of God. Was he gonna, which one was he going to believe? Was he gonna, what was he going to settle for? Was he going to settle for the predictable? The contentedness of mediocrity? Or was he going to break out and believe for supernatural transformation to take place in his life? What was he going to settle for? Friends, what are you going to settle for? Was Gideon going to be settling for the complacent, the respectable, the logical, or was it going to be the daring, the audacious, the, the reckless abandonment of faith of a man that was about to come under divine command and be supernaturally transformed? What was it going to be? Was it going to be the seeming security of the status quo? Survival? Or was it going to be the daring steps of conquest? What was it going to be? You see, Gideon was facing a choice. And I feel within my spirit tonight that many of you are facing such 
a choice. And it was thrilled me to see the altars full this morning of people that made that choice. But you know, when God comes, there are moments when God comes down and he presents you with a moment. And in that moment, God demands an answer. Why? Because there's a divine window of opportunity. And I I want to say something tonight, and I, I trust you'll get my heart. I do not speak lightly. I believe that tonight, and I don't fully understand it, but I believe tonight is a window of opportunity for many of you sitting here tonight. Things are going to dramatically change in many of your lives as a result of decisions that you make inside of yourself tonight. There's going to come a shift because I saw it in my spirit and I tell you what, Pastor Mike and Joy, you can hold me to it, but I'll guarantee you there will be a spiritual shift. I, there will be a shift in fruitfulness. There will be a shift in potential. There will be a shift in what people can do. The numbers of volunteers, the level of faith. Why? Because I believe God spoke it into my spirit. And so I want you to get a hold of it tonight. God's going to shift you if that's your desire. But you see, Gideon had to make a decision. And the potential of that decision. Friends, I believe there are crossroad moments in life. Moments when choices must be made. I believe individuals come to these crossroad moments, but so too do businesses, and so too does local churches come to a crossroad moment. And they're fundamental moments. They're windows of opportunity. They're moments, they're pivot encounters, the response to which is going to have a dramatic effect upon many years to come. Let me say this to you, friends. Most of life, let's face it, most of life is predictable. Most of life is routine. Most of life is the obvious. But there comes moments in our journey when we have the potential suddenly to break out of the routine, to break out of the predictable, to break out of the obvious, and suddenly leave the orbit of that which has held us back, and to break out of that because God has given us a window of opportunity. Friends, listen to me. You know that story in the Bible where uh, the Bible says that um, all the sick and the infirm would gather around this pool. And when the angel came down and stirred the waters, you know the story, stirred the waters, the first one to get in was immediately healed. It was just a split moment. It was a moment. It was a divine moment. And the first one there got healed. Why was it the first one that got healed? Because that one had more determination than anybody else present. That one had an attitude. I am going to be the first one in the pool. If you get in my way, get killed in the crush because I am going to hit that water. There was a vigilance. There was an awareness. There was, a, there was watching every. And the moment that water rippled, they were into it. Why? It was an attitude. Nothing is going to stop me from touching the visitation of God. It was an attitude. But it was a moment. It was a moment when the angel touched the waters. A moment. And friends, I tell you what, I'm feeling that way tonight. I'm feeling there's a moment here tonight. 
I'm feeling there's a moment when God is going to break people free from shackles and restraints and things that have entangled them, and they're just going to be free. Is anybody witnessing what I'm saying here? You see, there's a window of opportunity where God offers you the potential to go from fruit to much fruit, from contentment to conquest, from being merely humanly gifted to being supernaturally empowered, to go from being a history reader to being a history maker. And in that moment, listen to me, the shackles of restraint placed upon us by a lifetime of conditioning can be broken by the choice that we make in this place tonight. They can be broken. And it is in that moment when the surging, intimidating river of other people's opinions, the mediocrity of the crowd, and the pull to conform to contemporary trends can be resisted. You can actually swim out of their control and be embraced and empowered by God's original intention for your life. And in that moment... I'm telling you, when the seemingly irresistible force of peer group pressure, doing what everybody else is doing, being conformed by the downward spiral of spiritual and moral compromise, which is so prevalent in our society and in the church today, it can be resisted in that moment. And one dares to spring out of that, swim out of that, and place themselves under divine command. Gideon was facing a moment. I'm telling you what, the pressure on him was enormous. The pressure on him was enormous. Why? Because all of his friends, all of his acquaintances, everybody else had adapted to the life as it was and had accepted things as they were. And suddenly God was asking him to break the mold. Suddenly God was asking him to step out on a limb and do uh, go against what everybody else was doing in order to become a man of destiny under divine command. Any dead fish can float down the stream. It takes a live trout to go against the current. Now, Gideon could have chosen to go with the flow and do what the crowd was doing, and he would have sentenced himself to a life of mediocrity. In the next three months, in the next three months, I don't know who you are, but the next three months, you have got to make time to get aside with God. I don't know you who you are. I don't even know who you're Christian. I don't know who any of you are. But I'm telling you now, God just showed me that there are events coming up and unfolding. They're going to take you by surprise. But the next three months are critical for you to touch God, know God, get the word into your heart and into your spirit. You need to fiercely, hungrily attack getting God in on inside of you and the word of God and let other people speaking into your life and build spiritual muscle over the next three months. Okay, what's your name? Jane Jeffries. I remember you. Okay, I want us now to, how many know that God knows every single person in this room by name? I don't, but he does. He knows every single one of you by name. And he knows everything there is to know about you. 
He knows every pain, every failure, every distress, every challenge, every dark night of the soul. He knows every lying accusation that has ever come against you. He knows every moment of rejection you have ever felt. And he's still saying to you tonight, you can leave it all behind. You can walk out of this place tonight free from its downward spiral. Can you say amen? I want us to turn to John chapter 15 if you have your Bibles with you. I believe you have a choice to make. Gideon had to shake himself from the dust of insecurity and intimidation and dare to arise and become a man under divine command. Now, in John 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it, that it might bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. But abide in me, habitually dwell in me, and I shall in you. Because as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide, habitually dwell in me. Intimacy with God's heart. He goes on and he says this in verse 5, John 15, verse 5. Now, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. But without me, without my supernatural empowerment, you can do nothing. That is nothing of eternal value. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and they throw them into the fire to be burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, that is my daily words of instructions in your heart, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. Because by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Friends, the mark of discipleship is not that you were once born again. The mark of discipleship is not that you know how to speak in tongues. The mark of discipleship is not that you know how to celebrate and worship. The mark of discipleship is that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. And I want to say this to every individual here tonight, to uh, every Christian business, to the local church, all of us together. I want to say this. Jesus mentioned three different levels of fruitfulness. And it wasn't some for the unsaved and some for the Christian. He made it very clear in John 15 that he was saying all three categories he's directing towards Born-again Christian people. All right. And so here's the three. And if you're, some of you can see taking notes. Okay, here's the first level of fruitfulness that Jesus mentions. No fruit. None at all. He said, to those who bear no fruit for the kingdom. In other words, those that live for themselves. He said, every branch in me, that is every Christian that bears no fruit. What happens to it? It says here, here, it is thrown away, it withers up, loses all sap of life. What happens to it? It becomes withered up, dry, and barren. 
Why? Because the individual has gone through their life with a consumer mentality, only gone to church, only ever lived their Christian life with what God could give to them, what other people could do for them, what the church could do for them, what every their brother and their sister can do for them. They go through life with a consumer mentality, but bear no fruit. And as such, they are rejecting the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the Father, and they have said, I will be Lord of my time, I will be Lord of my desires, I will live selfishly unto myself, and in so doing, they reject the Lordship of Jesus Christ over their lives. Now, when you take a hold of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 14 and 15, Paul picks it up, and he said, talking about these people, he says that some of these people will actually retain their salvation, Obviously, some will not because they, they cast into the fire, the Bible says. So it's possible to lose your salvation if you're a no-fruit type of person. But Paul said, even if you do make it into heaven with a no-fruit record, what does it say? It says here that the shocking state of eternity will actually be that their life's accomplishments will be thrown into the fire even if they themselves are still saved. And so can you think of anything worse to spend millions upon millions upon millions of endless millions of years in the presence of God with everybody celebrating the fruit of their life and the numbers of people that have touched and saved and won for Christ. And you're sitting in heaven with no fruit. And he said, nothing they do shall be eternal. Nothing they do shall be held to their account. All of life's accomplishments will be thrown into the fire. Now, Paul said that. Friends, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in a no-fruit situation. I don't want to walk into heaven on a slippery banana peel, and then have to spend the rest of my eternity wishing I had done life differently. The Bible says, Jesus says, they wither up and they die. What is the only, only, only answer for somebody in a condition like that? Friends, hear me. I'm not speaking out of judgment. God's not here to condemn people tonight. He's here to rescue people tonight. He didn't, he didn't create your no fruitfulness, but he loves you enough tonight to confront you with it and penetrate your heart and just say, you don't have to stay there. The answer for somebody that's not bearing fruit for God is simply repentance. If you take a look at a hold of 2 Corinthians 7.14, he said, If my people who are called by my name, in other words, those who consider themselves Christians, but they are not bearing fruit for the kingdom, he said, If they'll only but humble themselves and seek my face and turn away, that is, repent from all of their ways, the ways that reject the Lordship of Christ, then I will heal from here from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Friends, what is the land for you tonight? I'll tell you what the land is. It's your heart. 
The land is the soil of your heart. And when you live selfishly unto yourself, you corrupt the soil of your heart so it can no longer receive the seeds of God. It can no longer hear the Holy Ghost. It can no longer have the capacity to bear fruit and to grow life that is eternal. And God says, if you'll only acknowledge that state, I will come to you and I will touch your heart and I will heal your heart. And when your heart is healed and it's set free and it's restored, I will begin to speak again into your heart. Why? Because the soil of your heart is open again. It's nourished again. It's vibrant. It's alive again. And it's reaching out. And God is sowing the seeds of destiny and calling and purpose into your heart again. Friends, he's only got one motivation tonight and it's not judgment. It's rescue. He doesn't want you to go the next decade of your life bearing no fruit. He wants to break in tonight and say you can be fruitful. You can be significant in the kingdom. He wants you to know that Jesus died to make you fruitful. Oh, friends, he doesn't want you to wake up in the morning and say, oh, God, I guess it's another day. He wants you to wake up in the morning saying, oh, God, this is another day. Wonderful, Father, knowing that God is ordering your steps day by day by day by day. He can take you from no fruit and he can make you fruitful. The second category tonight was those who bear some fruit. Now, he said those who bear some fruit, those who do bear fruit. Now, it's very, very interesting here. Uh, and I really want to talk about this because what does Jesus say he's going to do with those who bear fruit? He's going to prune them. Now, I think pruning is one of the most misunderstood things in a spiritual context because you hear somebody talking about, you know, oh, gee, they're getting pruned or, you know, they're having a pruning season or, you know, and you get all these negative feelings, you know, oh dear, oh, must be tough. No, no, and, and it's wrong. Do you know that Jesus only ever says that he will prune who? Those who are already fruitful. In other words, the good guy, the ones that please his heart, the one that calls God to celebrate. Friends, Pruning is not judgment. Pruning is a reward for fruitfulness. Why? Because he knows your present state can only take you so far and you are capable of, you have the potential of, you have the destiny of something far greater than what your present state will allow. You know, uh, we got this property and center and everything and it's got way beyond margaret and i to keep up the grounds with so much traveling stuff so we get a bit of help in and and uh his name's roly and he comes in uh when we're away and uh he does stuff for gardening at margaret and i were away for several weeks and we came back a few weeks ago and outside our office block there's these uh beautiful stand rose bushes that is, there used to be. I got out of the car and I took one look and I nearly had a heart attack. I said, where's my rose bushes? All that was left was this, this trunk and little short stubby hacked off branches sticking out of the trunk. And I said, oh, God, no, not my rose bushes. 
And so I got hold of, when Rolly came round, I said, Rolly, Rolly, where's my rose bushes? And he, said, and he just laughed and he said, oh, I know how you feel. I said, no, you don't. You are narrowly missed leaving the earth, man. Where's my bushes? And he said, I've got rose bushes just like those at my house. They go right down my driveway. I said, yeah. And he says, every year, that's what I do to them. And he said, every year, my neighbors say, oh, really, really, what are you doing to your roses? And then a few months later, all my same neighbors come to me and say, holy, holy, where did you get those roses, man? And you know what? Margaret said to me, you know, there's a couple of bushes around the other side of the house which Rolly didn't see. He missed them. I said, oh. So I went around the side, and, and sure enough, he had. But you know what? I noticed something about them. I just stood there and stared at them. I, I instinctively knew the Holy Spirit was saying something to me, and I just stared at those bushes. And already the branches were starting to intermingle one another, and little branches had come out of those branches and had come out of those branches. And there was this kind of entangled spaghetti thing happening in the middle of the rose bush. And it was like instantly the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said that the whole purpose of pruning is to cut away that which is denying the, the sap its rightful objective. Instead of flowing into the potential of great fruitfulness, all these little things that have all just naturally grown are sapping the life out of the thing. And you know something? You don't... You, you, have you ever noticed that there's nothing you have to do to the plants to to get it to grow those entanglements. They just grow. And they keep growing. Has anybody noticed that? Pruning is a repetitive thing. It just happens. You've got to do it again and again and again and again. Why? Because they just keep growing, those entanglements. And friends, that's what Jesus knows. He knows that good Godly, fruitful people still are alive. They still live in, in, in 2007 and they still have to exist and they go to work and they, they get all sorts of pressures and stuff happens and there's the, a the TV and there's peer pressure and, and there's a pressure of finances and there's worries about the mortgage. He knows that all sorts of stuff, that's just life and it just keeps growing unless you prune it. And so Jesus said, in order to take you into the next level, in order to take you out of your present orbit, in order to increase the incredible potentialness of your life and bearing fruit in the kingdom, I have to come along every now and again and prune. And what is a pruning a declaration of? Not God's judgment, that's for sure. It's His commendation as the gardener of your soul get preparing you for what? Spring. Fruitfulness. 
How many of you have seen apple trees and stuff? You know, they prune them back and they look like, some, like something existed in World War III. And you think, oh God, why would they do that to nice apple looking trees? And then what happens? Springtime comes on and suddenly there's new growth and there's apples all over it. And what happens to the guy down the road who couldn't bear to prune his tree? A few miserable, scrawny looking little apples. You see, it's the reward of a gardener that knows the potential. And friends, I jotted down, I felt the Lord give me some things that I had to read out. Things that, entanglements that just automatically grow unless they're pruned. So tonight there's going to be a little pruning, but that's not a negative. It's getting you ready to go from your existing fruitfulness level that God rejoices in to extravagant fruitfulness, abundant fruitfulness. That's what Jesus actually said in John 15. And he said, I'll prune them. Why? That they can bear much fruit, extravagant fruit. Okay. What's some of the entanglements that just keep growing? One is complacency and apathy. The predictability of life, the normality of life, it can get you in a rut. Number two, dependence upon human ability and talents. Do you know, rather than a reliance on the Holy Spirit, there's something about mankind, it's like an irresistible force. It's like a gravitational pull that we just like to do it ourselves. We like to think we can manage things. And before long, we realize we are handling life and we are no longer acutely dependent on the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, friends, you don't have to be sinning to fall into that category. You're talk, I'm talking as a man that had 10 months out of the ministry with coronary artery disease and burnout. And how do I get it? By sinning no, sorry to disappoint you. There's no grotty tale to tell. I got it doing the work of God. Doing the work of God without reliance on the Holy Spirit to do it for you can kill you. And it's just, it happens. One day you just wake up and you didn't realize it was happening. But suddenly you realize, I've been handling things myself. Man, when was the last time I went through a whole day conscious of the Holy Spirit directing my decisions and making supernatural things happen? And when was the last time I got up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, you empower today. I am subject to you. You be the absolute director of my life this day. Every conversation, every relationship, every challenge, every financial dealing, Holy Spirit, I submit it to you. You direct it. You do the supernatural stuff and I will just hear you and obey what you say. Friends, if you can't remember the last time you said that, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to awaken you to the fact that that little creeping paralysis has started to enter in. It's pruning time. Because I got news for you. You can't handle it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. He's the supernatural power of God for you. Can you say amen? The third one that I put down, was the relaxing 
of spiritual, moral, and biblical absolutes. The creeping paralysis of compromise. Friends, it's just a little. As we explained in the seminar, it's just a little. A little sleep. A little slumber. And suddenly we wake up to the fact that we are tolerating what we would not have tolerated last year. Suddenly we realize that what would have caused us to react with great indignation just after we got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we can see it but not see it. Now we can hear it but not hear it. I had a friend recommend a certain film to me. So Margaret and I went along to it. We walked out after seven minutes. We could not take it. And when I confronted them and said, I'm, I'm mind boggled. You sat through that? Why, didn't you enjoy it? No, man. What about this? And I mentioned a couple of things that had taken place. He says, what are you talking about? That's the wrong film. No. And we cleared off, made sure it was the right film. And he said, that wasn't in there. I said, really? Try watching it again. It was in there. But you know what? He had seen it and not seen it. He had heard it and not heard it. Why? Because our conscience gets dull. It's just that sleeping, creeping, little day-by-day paralysis that suddenly you wake up out of a dream one day and you say, what is happening? I would never have tolerated that a week ago, a year ago, or five years ago. What happened to me? I'll tell you what happened. The creeping paralysis, just the entanglements start growing. It's pruning time. It's time to bring the standards back to where God intends them to be. It's as simple as this, friends. If you and the Holy Spirit can't mutually enjoy it together, you're not doing the right thing. In the middle of that movie, in the middle of that relationship, in the middle of that conversation, in the middle of that video, or whatever it is, if you can't turn around to the Holy Spirit and say, are you enjoying this? Isn't this cool? Isn't this great? And He can turn to you and say, yep, this is good. This is cool. If you can't have a conversation with the Holy Ghost, why not? It's pruning time. If you want to go to the next level of fruitfulness, it is going to be a new level of Holy Spirit directedness, a new level of divine command over your life. It's not going to happen because we want it to happen. It's going to happen because we have decided to come under divine command and our lives are going to be subject to the person of the Holy Ghost. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, the next one that I felt the Lord give me to lay down, was peer group pressure. Just doing what everybody else is doing. Do you know, sooner or later, peer group pressure just leads to spiritual cowardice. We end up doing what everybody else is doing because we don't want to pay the price to be the odd one out. Friends, we've got to be the odd one out. The fifth one. Allowing earth, this is a biggie, this is a biggie. And it's probably the most subtle of all of them. Allowing earthly goals to dominate kingdom goals. 
And friends, this is really so subtle. It is so insistent that we all need to arrest it from time to time. And I want to ask you the question tonight, what goals are dominating and directing your life and your time? Are you consumed with the kingdom of God? And someone will say to me, hey, well, that's okay for you to say you're in the ministry. I'm a businessman. Well, I've got news for you. If you're a Christian businessman, you're in the ministry. I've got a friend in Melbourne. He's got corporations all over the world. But you know what? He told me the other day that he's now writing out checks for between three and four million dollars a month. He's head spinning. He didn't have any money about 15 years ago. Just an idea that the Holy Ghost dropped into him one morning and said, if you'll honor me with your income and you'll do this for the kingdom's sake, I'll bless it unbelievably. And he said, fair enough. And so he made his quest to fund as many missionaries as he could possibly fund. And when he had no money, he funded his first one anyhow. And when he had a little bit, he gave much and he just believed God. And today he's turning over multi tens of millions of dollars. And at the peak, he was supporting 113 missionaries around the world. Why? Because God found a man that was kingdom focused. The reason he lives and breathes every day of his life is to extend the kingdom of God. It's not, a na- it's not a matter of what your calling is or what your function is or what your training is or what you do for a job. It's a matter of what your focus is. But if we don't have the odd shake-up session like this, do you know what we find? We find that natural earthly goals begin to dominate our thinking and take us away from being kingdom-minded. And then we wonder why the favor and the blessing and the extravagance of God is no longer flowing upon us and what we're doing to the same degree. It's because you've lost your focus. Again, God says to you tonight, I don't come to condemn you. I'm coming to rescue you. You, are, you. you have far greater potential than that. You are a man and woman of destiny. You can do greater things for the kingdom of God than you ever realize. But if that thing has been growing into the system, you need to prune it tonight. You need to get back the focus, back the focus. Anybody saying Amen. I'm going to work towards the eventual possibility of a probable close. A crossroads moment tonight. That only leaves one level. No fruit. Some fruit. Much fruit. And friends, that's where God has been trying to take us all day. To one point. That we are going to be committed to bearing how much? Much fruit. Extravagant fruit. I'm talking about massive fruitfulness for the kingdom of God. And I tell you what, it's true for every individual. It's true for every local church. Do you know that churches all around this nation today uh, and New Zealand are being challenged with this as churches as well as individuals? Are they going to settle for mediocrity? Are they going to settle for an allowable, respect? 
acceptable amount of fruit and just do church well or are they going to come under divine command and start taking their towns and their cities and their regions and their nations because suddenly uh, men and women and young people have got a hold of what it's really all about and they don't care about anything else they are sold out for the kingdom of God they live they breathe and they eat for Jesus and that is all that consumes them and I'll tell you what when God can raise up an army of young people like this and older people like you I tell you what this nation can be taken this Hawks Bay can be taken. Don't allow the devil to tell you, well, that's okay for these superly gifted people. I'm just an ordinary person. There's no such thing in the kingdom of God. You have the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. He created heaven and earth with a blink of his eyeball, and he's resting inside of you. Have you any idea what you are capable of if you come under divine command? And the Holy Spirit of God is able to do anything he wants with you at any time. I was preaching in a meeting. It wasn't a, a miracle meeting. It was a prophecy meeting. It couldn't, and, and I was just in mid-flow. And the Holy Spirit said, go pray for that lady. And she was a cripple and she was all broken up and, and bound up and in a special chair with a nurse looking after her. And she'd been thrown off the top of a two-story building onto concrete and she'd shattered everything that could be shattered. And the Lord just said, look her in the eyeball and tell her to get out of the chair. It seemed pretty ridiculous to me. It was obvious she couldn't. I can't really claim I had a lot of faith either. But I'd grown to know that voice. So I just got down on my knee, looked her in the eyeball and said, in the name of Jesus, get out of the chair and walk and do what you could not do. She not only got out of the chair, folks, she did a jig. And she was instantly healed. She preached a few days later in that church, had an altar call. Then she went back to Columbia where they chucked thrown her off the building and I got a news a few weeks ago, a few months ago that she was now reaching 17,000 people on a Sunday morning that she was preaching to and she's reaching 1.3 million people every week on television but it was just a moment it was just a moment and I don't want to embarrass Aaron or anything like that but you know what I walked into that gym this afternoon because I felt like a good old grunto sweat out. Yeah. You've got to do that when you're 60. And I'm walking out, and he's sitting at the counter. And I'm just leaving the building. I felt the Holy Spirit says, no, turn around and talk to him. It was just a moment. But when we connected, didn't we, bro? It's just a moment. If you'll obey the Holy Spirit, if you'll obey the Holy Spirit... Are you getting what I'm saying? It's awesome what you're capable of. So when God talks to you tonight about, okay, challenging you on one of these things, be it, be it one of those categories I hollowed out, complacency, apathy, dependence upon human ability, or the relaxing of spiritual moral absolutes, peer group pressure, earthly goals, whatever it is, something I haven't even said, but you know of in your own heart. Listen, if God is speaking tonight, he's not condemning He's not, not intending to. All he's saying is, listen, if you allow me to get rid of some of the entanglements, you are going into 
war, but you're going into another level. I have got so much more for you to do than your present state will allow. And if you'll come to a new level of surrender and acceptance of the divine mandate that's on your life, things are going to explode around here. But are you willing? The Bible says, my people shall be willing in the day of my power. Willing in the day of my power. Willing in the day of my power. Are you willing tonight? And I'm not going to have the musicians come forward. I'm not going to make it real easy. I'm not going to do anything like that. Jesus went up a hill with a cross on his back, dripping with blood. I don't think it was easy. So I don't want anybody to move unless you know in you know that you know that you know in your knower that you know that you've made a decision. You might have been one of them this morning. That's okay. Do it again tonight. You may have been one Friday night. Fine. You Whatever. But you know that this weekend, either tonight or some other moment, you have crossed the line on the inside. I'm not living in the status quo one more day. I am going to the next level of fruitfulness in my life. I'm coming under divine command. I'm refocusing. I'm refocusing. And I'm going to get a hold of what anything that's likely to stumble me or hold me back or, or drag me down or, or anything that the Holy Spirit of God speaks to me about. I'm hacking it off. And I'm springing free. And I'm going to anticipate fruitfulness in my life like I never dreamt possible before. And if that's you, I just want you to get out of your seat right now. And I want you to come down here and say, my God, he's the rest of my life. And you talk to me. And I, you can just kneel. at a, I, I'm a good one on about kneeling. Because I believe you're here to surrender. As you kneel at this altar, you're kneeling at the foot of a bloodstained cross, but you're also kneeling at the foot of the King of Kings and the Lord of Glory as He is tonight. And He's claiming what is His. He's claiming lordship. He's claiming absolute dominion. He's claiming your life, your marriage, your children, your time, your business, your finances, everything that you are, it belongs to him. And if you give it to him, he will empower it. He will multiply it. He will use it and he will make it greatly fruitful. Offer it to him. If there's no more room left at the altar by the looks, just kneel in the in the aisles, that's fine because God doesn't care about the geography. It's your heart. It's your heart. It's your heart. It's your heart. Now just take a moment of silence. We Pentecostals don't like silence, but I want a moment of silence. And you ask the Holy Spirit right now. You talk to me. Oh, he's not going to condemn you. But ask him to talk to you. Say, Holy Spirit, talk to me. Talk to me. And if he triggers something, then surrender it on the spot. Don't struggle with it. Surrender it on the spot. Say, Lord, I give that to you. I give that to you. Maybe it's a past disappointment. Maybe it's some limitation that you placed upon yourself. Give it to him. Give it to him. Maybe it's abuse from the background of your life. Give it to him. 
take it to the cross and leave it there. Maybe it's peer group pressure. Say, my God, I'm going to stand from now on. I'll only do what they're doing if they're doing what is right. My King and my God. My King and my God. Oh, just make it your time. Your time. Father, I'm asking now for the Holy Spirit to touch absolutely every heart in this building right now. Holy Spirit, speak right now, right now into every heart. Speak in Jesus' name. And Father, I know that you're going to resurrect these people now as they stand upon their feet, Father. And there is going to come a leaping within them, an increase of the flame of God inside of every individual. Friends, I'm telling you, I would not lie to you. You will wake up to if what you've done tonight is with all your heart. You're going to wake up tomorrow morning and there's going to be a new sense of destiny in your spirit there's going to be a new sense of divine command in your spirit expect the holy spirit to be speaking to you. expect the holy spirit to give you a nudge in that direction or that direction or that direction and those of you in business expect the holy spirit to give you creative ideas those of you that are soul winning expect the holy spirit to give you unsaved people tomorrow and the next day expect the holy spirit to do supernatural stuff 